Why does the English language have so much French in it if people consider it a Germanic language? Now, in order for us to understand this, we must venture through the history of the British Isle. And I'm going to enjoy this because it involves many invasions of England. Now, one thing we must understand, especially about history in general, is that the way human societies, and especially uh, kingships and whatnot, work is that you have a native population who are usually enslaved by a small, invading, ruling tribe. And what they do is they establish a, an aristocracy, a crown, and they make the, the, the natives work and farm, and then they collect taxes off them, and then they establish the, the royalty. And this is how the English royalty was established, and... Being Irish, we know all about how this works. And uh, what these people, these royals usually do is they impose their language upon the lower people. But the lower people, of course, keep their language to some extent. So you get this blend between this ruling classes language that comes in and also the native language, which they just keep to themselves. And they, they mix together in some sense. And this is the fertile chaos that produced the English language. Because originally we had Britons. Down in France here, you have a place called Breton. You can even look at it nowadays. This is, um, and over in Ireland, we had essentially Bretons as well. We had a thing called the Breton Law, which was how the how the law worked before we became under the influence of the Christian European Empire. We had Breton Law, which was a different way of judging things. And um, this was the people that were here before. You could call them the Celts, if you will. And after. These were the natives. These were the, the, the people who lived in this part of the world. The Gauls, the Gales, you might know. They were all related to this type of vibe here. And um, then the, the Anglo-Saxons came in. The, the, this is the Germanic tribes. As you can see, they come from Denmark. They come from um, the Norse, Scandinavian places. And they're coming from Germany. And you'll notice this name here. You've got the Franks, the Frankish people. The Frankish people were coming in as well. These are all Germanic tribes. And this is where you'll see a lot of uh, the blonde influence, which is interesting. So we'll talk about that. And so what these people did is they came in, they invaded England, and they enslaved, or they took over the, or took, you can even say they took territory off the Bretons altogether. And this is where we got the division of England in, in the very ancient past, where you'd have like the Angles up north, and Angle is where you get the word England, Angleland, the Saxons down the bottom. And these were all, and the Jutes were another one, and these were all Germanic tribes. Franks, Saxons, Angles, all this. These were, you can imagine them as blondes, if you want. And then the natives were dark-haired. Because the, the blonde Germans, as you know, they come from a, a gene pool, like the Russians, the, um, the, the people over in, in Poland and whatnot. They have a lot more blonde hair than the people over in Ireland do. And, the, and the, the Scandinavians, they have a lot more blonde hair, and we, we have a lot more darker hair. And so England is interesting because you have this blend of a both blonde hair and dark hair you have over on the 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 more left side you have the welsh they would have a lot more dark hair browner eyes and then over on the the right closer to london and whatnot you have a lot more blonde and this is because of the mixture of the norse people and the germanic people is a far higher and these people who came over the anglo-saxons they're they're known for having a very famous helmet that covers their whole face and only leaves their eyes and gives them this uh, funny little mustache. So these are the people who came in and took over the Bretons and established a Germanic people in England. And this became the foundation of the English ruling class at the time. And so this is where you see the beginning of English being related to Germanic. Um, English has thanks, 
aus Deutsch, in German, you would say Danke, whereas Latin, the, the more Latin-inspired languages, like French, French would say something like Merci, and the Spanish would say Grazie. Same with the Germanic, you'll have Good in English, which means Good. Aus Deutsch is Gut. And in Latin, they would have Bon as Good. So in French, they have Bon, whereas in Spanish, they have Bien. And you can see there's a distinct difference between these two, a very distinct difference. But still, English has a blend of these two because English has plenty of Latin influence. We'll get into why that happens and why it makes it so confusing. So, yes, you had um, this Germanic influence. Then, of course, you had something super interesting, which was the after these Anglo-Saxons had raided them a couple of centuries later, the Vikings started to come. Now, the Vikings were more blonde Norse people who were like, all right, I'm sick of being up here in Scandinavia. I'm going to go conquer England again. And so what they did is they went in and they started to conquer the already established um, Anglo-Saxons and they tried to take them over and establish a new ruling class on top of them. And these guys, these Norse people, they did this all over Europe. They may, may have even got to America. I'm pretty sure they did. They did it all over Europe. They're very famous for it, you know, the Vikings and whatnot. And they did it all over France as well. They established this massive empire where they were the ruling class of all of these native people because they were very small tribes, but they were all interconnected. They all knew each other in some sense. And they um, controlled large parts, uh, large pieces of territory, and they built loads of castles, and they were quite rootless in some sense. Even over in Ireland, like you will notice that there's plenty of blonde people in Ireland, but there's a lot of black-haired people as well. And it's, it's a strange mix. Like you would imagine they're one people, but no, they're not at all. There was a native population in Ireland. And um, the same as England, we had waves of people coming in, invading, establishing ruling classes. And this was just the most recent update of it at the time. The Vikings came in. Very famously, they would kill all the monks, the Catholic, the, the, the Christian monks. And uh, they established cities. And many of our, our Irish cities, such as Dublin, um, Waterford, Wexford, Limerick, I believe maybe Cork as well. These were all Viking strongholds, and you can tell this because they have tend to have castles, whereas mo the natives before that didn't tend to build castles that often. The the natives in Ireland weren't mad castle builders. They'd build stuff like ring forts, which are they're just slightly different. They're made out of wood and whatnot, so they never really lasted. Whereas the Vikings would come in and they would establish these castles and say we're the ruling class here and. These, these Norsemen were uh, pretty, pretty, they, they, they knew how to, to say we're boss and whatnot. And so Dublin, for example, was a slave city when it started out. And um, it, was, it was a Viking port. And they used to go in and take, take all of the Irish people and sell them into slavery in the Viking Empire. And th these Viking people eventually started to settle down. So they, they got all inspired to go out and conquer the, uh, the world. And after they took over most of Northern Europe, and um, plenty of East Eastern Europe as well, they started to settle down in some sense and establish lands. And many of them even converted from their pagan religion of, uh, you know, of uh, Woden and Thor and all that. They converted into Catholicism. So very famously, you'd have um, in Upper France here, you have Normandy. Normandy comes from the idea of Norseman. Norseman means Northman. And so Normandy is the ancient stronghold of the Norse who were the ruling class over France as well, especially the top of France. And Normandy is the famous place where D-Day happened. So it's still there today. And you can see Brittany, as I was talking about earlier, that is the, that is the, the remnants of the old um, Breton people and whatnot. And this, these Normans then, so of course the English now have this blend of Norse, Germanic, and the native Bretons, or the native, uh, the native people who were before all that. And now these Normans, 
after establishing their, their kingdoms, decide to, to invade England again. Only this time they're now speaking French and uh, they, they are uh, more Catholic. They're more involved with the, the Roman church. So they've come in contact with this. So this is where it becomes interesting. These Vikings, they invaded France. They were all pagan. And then once they established their lands, they're like, right, guys, look, enough killing and all this. It's time to settle down and make a kingdom out of this. And so what they would do is they would um, take the local the local religion or the roman religion which is very prestigious at the time and then they would um, settle into that and then after a while they got bored down there in france now that they were speaking french and they said let's invade england again and so william the conqueror came in in 1066 very famous um very famous year he came in 1066 and he conquered lower england he established his kingdom in, inside of it and that became this very interesting place where you had suddenly a french speaking ruler royal elite who controlled the english island so now the anglo-saxons from the very start who were the original invaders the anglo-saxons who came in originally the first germanic people were now subjugated to these germanic people who were now french-speaking norsemen and this is where we get the French starting to get injected into English. So you had the native Bretons, who their language is pretty much out of the picture at this point. You had the Anglo-Saxons, who were the, the modern English, if you will. And they were speaking a, a Germanic language that, that had all these influences that we we're talking about here. So just thanks, danke, good, gut. This was, um, that's where that is tied together. And these people were, these people were the, the, the controlled class, the lower class. And then these upper class people in the French, in the English court were all French speaking and they interacted a huge amount with Normandy and with um, uh, France. And uh, very, it's very famous throughout English history that the English and the French were always fighting for territory because they were trying to decide where should we should we rule from should we rule from france or should we rule from england who is the big boss around here is the french the french normans the big boss or is it the english normans and ireland was involved in this as well like when ireland and england merged into the single rulership which was the which was the um the the english monarchy the the thinking generally would have been something along these lines that in the ancient past the irish would have been ruled by this norse viking um, legacy, this Norse Viking family, if you will, and that was tied to this English and this French thing. And there's there's a huge amount of ties between all this. It made a lot of sense in some sense why that that monarchy happened because it was a empire spanning across all the islands, and the natives were oppressed by everybody. the The natives are almost always taken over by somebody, and so it was saying, well, who's the big boss here? And um, you you will if you study European history, you'll discover that you know the, the during World War One, Wilhelm the the King of Germany, when they were fighting against the British King, you'll discover that they were actually second cousins or something like that. And that is evidence of how all this works. These uh, aristocrats, these royals, these monarchs are all tightly related as a family because they come from these ancient conquerors who established these ruling classes over huge populations of natives. And they were now imposing their language on them. And this is what's interesting for us. So you would have had the Anglo-Saxon farmer and then you would have the royal upper class. And why this is interesting is because this gives us insight into one of the very strange paradoxes and shows us how this plays out in the weird way for England. And since you have the farmer who is the lower class who is raising animals, you off in English, you get the name of the animal 
in Anglo-Saxon, in a Germanic tongue, if you will. But because the royal upper class were eating the food, so they weren't seeing the animal, they were seeing the food that arrived on them, that arrived to them on their plate. They would see the, you know, the, the meat. They, the, the name for food comes from French. So when you meet a pig on a farm, you call it a pig. But when you eat a pig on your plate, you call it pork. And that's like what the French use. The French use essentially the same spelling. It's P-O or C instead of P-O or K. And that same thing goes for you meet an ox or a bullock, a cow basically, um, in English. You would call it an ox, a bullock, a cow. But then when you're eating it, you call it beef. And in French, they have uh, a similar word in that sense. I think it's beauf. I can't really pronounce it. And um, yes, this goes to show that the French upper class, the people who are eating the food, got to name the food that way. But of course, the people who are dealing with the animals had to use their native tongue in that sense. And these these are some examples of the very strange ways that uh, the French and the English began to intertwine. Chicken and bird is another one. Um, you would call a chicken a chicken, whereas when you're eating chicken, you call it poultry, and uh, the French call it poulet. So you see how this relationship started to happen. And this is a super interesting development because it led to a lot of very interesting rev um, revolutions in the language when they decided to standardize it. Because after a while, the people, the English royal class, the, the monarchy, realized that having a super divided set of people who were, you know, half the people speaking this sort of Breton-English mix. There was a lot of Anglo-Saxons just speaking pure Anglo-Saxon. And then you had these, like, elites that were speaking somewhat of a, a French-English mix. This was kind of nonsense. There was, it's no way to run an empire. It's silly. The more divided you are as an empire, the, the stupider, the less useful you are, the harder it is for you to unite. And so one way to unite people is to blend all the languages together and create a standard language, a single language. And that happened around about the 16th century when a lot of them were thinking up the idea of the British Empire. And that happened right about, around about the time of um, William Shakespeare. And so when they were thinking about doing this, this is what created the fertile this is what created the modern English language, which has a lot of very strange things about it, such as phrasal verbs, and it has many French words. I'm going to talk about um, the way Shakespeare took a word like champion out of the French champion. And uh, you might even know it from the, the word champagne, and it relates to the idea of victory. So this is how all this stuff, this stuff merged together to create the modern English language. And it's very, very useful to know because it gives you some interesting context into how the English language was formed and how it might help you learn the English language and where to look if you find strange words. So thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed this, please share it with someone who does not understand the English language and we will get a cult of knowledge going here. So thank you very much and I will talk to you soon.